Hi, my name's Ben and I'm the Creative Director here at the Forge Community Church. I am delighted that you have chosen to listen to this podcast today. What we're about to play is our latest message from In The Room on a Sunday. Now, this is different to our online talks and messages that you may have seen on YouTube, but we thought you may enjoy a place to hear back the talk that happened in the room. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Hello. It's so nice to be back here. My name's Seven. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I'm, I am very honoured. The last time uh, we, we were here, I, I, we came for your Christmas service. That was good, wasn't it? Um, well, I'm sure you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a bit less because just as we parked, my daughter decided that would be a good time to throw up. Uh, and so I still have the mental image of me carrying this sick, laden child to Santa, saying, please, can she just sit on your lap and just give her a present, please? We've come, we've come all the way from Essex, <laughs> dripping with... So thanks for having me back anyway. I wasn't, wasn't really expecting another invite after, after that, but thanks so much for having me. I've got a question for us uh, this morning before we get started. When was the last time... Someone will have said this to you. When was the last time someone said to you, um, if Jimmy jumped off a cliff, would you jump too? Has, has anyone ever told you... Some of you have got a lot of things there that you're, you're shifting through that could be an answer to that question. <laughs> Something. When was the last time someone said that to you? I mean, we do have a temptation sometimes to, to copy others. It's not, just, it's not just stupid things. Sometimes it's other things as well, isn't it? So, so I, 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 ha, I had a phone. You know, you've probably got these as well, haven't you? And they, you know the things that they sit in, our, sit in our pockets and take over our lives. But I used to have one of these... I used to have a phone, and it, in order to get into the phone, I feel like such an old man trying to explain this, but like in order to get into the phone, I had to type in four numbers. Do we, do we have this experience here? Uh, to type in four, I mean, it was, fortunately, they were the same numbers each time, so that was, that was all right, but I typed these numbers into my phone. It took me about a second, because you got quite quick here. It was the same four numbers, wasn't it? So that was all right, uh, and I used to type the four numbers, and I never thought of it. I never, I never noticed I was taking, typing four numbers in until, until I saw someone else with a new phone and they didn't have to type in four numbers like a sucker. They just put their thumb on it. They opened. They just put their thumb on it. And I was like, and all of a sudden, me, every time I took my phone out, I was like, what am I typing these four numbers for? Like, look at that. I need one of these new phones where you just put. And so, so I got one. With a, and that was great. That's great. You just pick your phone out. You probably just put it. You've seen these. And you just put your thumb on it. It just opens. And that was brilliant until I saw someone. They didn't have to put their thumb on it like a sucker. They just looked at the phone. Unbelievable, they just took it out. And even though I literally had my thumb there, and it was just, I mean, it was a matter of millimeters I was moving. I was like, what am I doing moving my thumb like an idiot? Like, I need one of these new phones. These new phones, you just look at it, and it opens up. I need one of those. And as soon as I see it, I just want it. There's a story in the Old Testament of a group of people who suffer with jealousy, and I'll read it to you. There's a group of people called the Israelites who can't help but looking at what other people have got and wanting what they've got. And we pick up the story uh, in, in the book of Samuel, and I'll, and I'll read it to you. Fed up, the elders of Israel got together and confronted Samuel at Ramah. Um, now, just to put some context, like they, they had a good situation, these people, because they could basically speak directly to God. They could basically speak directly to God. And they had this, this guy called Samuel who would hear from God and talk to them and, and relay the message. It was wonderful. But, but unfortunately, they looked over the fence and they saw that other nations, they got kings. And a bit like me looking at other phones, they were like, I want one of those. 
fed up, the elders of Israel got together and confronted Samuel and said, look, you're an old man and your sons aren't following in your footsteps. Here's what we want you to do. Appoint a king to rule over us just like everybody else. Do we ever have that temptation? I want this because everyone else has got one. Just like everybody else. When Samuel heard their demand, give us a king to rule over us, he was crushed. How awful. So Samuel prayed to God and God answered Samuel, go ahead and do what they're asking. They're not rejecting you, they've rejected me as their king. From the day I brought them out of Egypt till this very day, they're behaving like this, leaving me for other gods and now they're doing it to you. So let them have their own way, but warn them of what they're in for. Tell them the way the kings operate, just like, just tell them what they're likely to get from a king. This is a wonderful bit in the Bible where we read, the people have seen that other nations have got a king and they're like, we want one too. And every bit of me wishes God had turned around and said, well, if the Assyrians had jumped off a cliff, would you jump too? But unfortunately, God's not as sarcastic as that in the Bible. So, so instead, God says, We're gonna, this is how it's going to play out, guys. If you want this, if you want a king like the other nations, this is what's going to happen. So Samuel told them, delivering God's warning to the people, he says, this is how the kind of king you're talking about operates. He'll take your sons and make soldiers of them, chariotry, cavalry, infantry, regimented in battalions and squadrons. He'll put some into forced labor on his farms, plowing and harvesting and others to make weapons of war or chariots in which he can ride in luxury. He'll put your daughters to work as beauticians and waitresses and cooks. He'll conscript your best fields, vineyards and orchards, hand them over to his special friends. He'll tax your harvest and vintage to support his extensive bureaucracy. Your prize workers, best animals, he'll take for his own use. He'll lay a tax on your flocks and you'll end up no better than slaves. The day will come for you when you will cry out in desperation because of this king you want so much for yourself but don't expect God to answer. And he says, guys, you've got to stop trying to copy what other people are doing. Stop looking at what they've got and wanting it for yourself because I assure you it's going to end in disaster. If you follow through on this envy, if you come to this jealousy, before long you'll basically be a slave. And the people say, verse 19, they refuse to listen. Even so, we still want a king, they said, for we want to be like the nations around us. He will govern us and lead us into battle. I think sometimes we have a temptation, as I did with phones, that we look at the people around us, we look at the people who live next door, and we say, we need that. That is going to make us happy. And the warning comes, if you keep succumbing to that jealousy, you'll, you'll end up being almost enslaved to that desire. If you keep succumbing to that, you'll almost end up enslaved to that greed. You don't want that life says God. And they're like, no, still give us a king. We still want a king. Maybe I could put it uh, another way. Like, have you, got any, have you got any bad kings in your life? You got any bad kings in your life? Or, or maybe another way, what have you elevated in your life, which is making demands of you that you can't keep? What have you elevated in your life, which is making demands of you that you can't keep? Because the people are warned, look, if you get a king like this, that king is going to keep making demands of you. It's going to take and take and take until you've got nothing left. And my question to you is this, maybe you've got things in your life that you've elevated and now it's making demands of you which you can't keep. The payment plan for that TV that seemed like such a good idea when you were in Curry's and the salesman explained it to you. And suddenly it's making demands of your bank balance which you struggle to keep. Or that new hobby that seemed a really good idea at the time, but Tuesday was meant to be date night with the wife, but that can get pushed aside. And suddenly this thing is making demands of you, which you're struggling to keep. 
Maybe it's a toxic friendship that deep down you know isn't very good for you. Uh, you keep elevating it and, make, and it's making demands of you that you struggle to keep or you like having a little gamble on the, on the horses or the football and it was once a week and then it's once a day and now it's quite a lot. And that, that thing that you've elevated in your life is making demands of you which you can't keep. And some of you might resonate with this a little bit. Your career is now making demands of you that you can't keep. And, and you feel a little bit like those Israelites who wanted to elevate a king, but, but it starts making demands of them. It starts making demands of them. And before the long, we feel a little bit trapped and we feel a little bit enslaved. And I just want to tell you something this morning. It's not how God wants you to live. It's not how God wants you to live. Being skint all the time, that's not how God wants you to live. Always feeling like you've got nothing left in the town. That's not how God wants you to live. God doesn't want us to live scrounging around, like acting like slaves because we keep elevating rubbish that's making demands of it. That's not how God wants us to live. And if we feel like that, if we feel a bit trapped, if we feel a bit trapped by our jealousy or decisions we've made in the past, then, then I want to give a couple of ways maybe this morning that we can get rid of those kings in our life. Because those things in our life will take and take and take and mean we have nothing left. To put it another way, they'll mean we never live with any margin. We've got to get rid of these things to make sure that we've got something left at the end of the month. The Bible is good, full of good ideas. Good tips on how to live life beautifully. And there's a, there's a really good one on this. This is a good way to make sure that we don't have these things in our life the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Proverbs 21, 20. I'll read it again. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man saves whatever he gets. I mean, it's very easy for me to say that. I appreciate it's much harder to do, but, but this morning, since it's such a practical series that you're working through, like, can you save 10% of what you get in? Can you? Maybe not 10 to start with. Maybe you could, maybe you could start with 5. 5%. Or look at your budget. And I must admit, when I was preparing this talk, I thought, well, I need to kind of practice what I preach. And I mean, my name's a number, so I do love a spreadsheet. So I got out my Excel spreadsheet, which is like my budget of the, <laughs> budget of the year. And I was, I was talking to my wife. And I'm like, we, we've, got, we've got to make sure we do that. We've got to make sure that we do this because it says the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. So we need to make sure we're saving 10%. We're putting it away for a rainy day. Why? Because I don't want things in my life that are going to take and take and take and mean I live with no margin. It's such a simple thing, but I assure you it will change your life if you can learn to save 10% of what comes in. There will always be a temptation. There'll always be that new phone. There'll always be what someone else has got. But if we can stand up to that temptation and save some of our income, then it genuinely changes our life. I believe that. Because I believe that either you control money or money controls you. They're pretty much the only two options, aren't they? Either you control your money or your money controls you. And the thing is, if you spend everything you get coming in, then money makes all your decisions, doesn't it? Do you want to do that? Oh, I can't afford it. Do you want to do this? No, I haven't got any money left. Do you want to do that? No. Money's making those decisions, not you. But as soon as you save, suddenly, suddenly you have freedom. Suddenly you get to choose. Suddenly when the boiler breaks or the car stops working or your friend who you love dearly is in desperate need, you've got something you can reach into and you 
got the funds and facilities and margin in order to meet those needs. The foolish man spends whatever he gets, but, but the, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but, but if you start with a budget, if you sign up to the Mind Over Money, the, the series that's happening here, and help you make an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, they're lovely. You can make them color-coordinated, and you can do little macros on them. And anyway, sorry, that's... Uh, but anyway, if you can start with that. Can we save 10%? Because that, that will change our lives. I was trying to think of a good analogy for this, and the only one I can think of is when I crashed my car. And I crashed my car because... I mean, you, lot, you live in Suffolk. You're used to these windy roads, aren't you? But, but I'm not. And I, it said 60, and I thought that was a target. I ended up in a tree, <laughs> and it was a disaster, <laughs> and I wrote my car off. And I suppose that someone should have just told me that, look, 60's the limit, it's not a target. <laughs> yeah, the 60's a limit, it's not a target. And I, sometimes I wish someone had told me that about my pay packet. <laughs> it's a limit, it's not a target. Can we, can we save something of what we've got? <clears throat> And if we do that, we'll find that we make the decisions money doesn't. It's not just about money, though, is it? I, um, when, when I first got married, then me and my wife used to have a very common argument. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, this argument with people that you uh, share cars with. But, but for me, but for me once, the, once the petrol light goes on, you've gone too far. My wife, the petrol light would come and she would go, oh, we've got 80 miles left. Like, how do you know you've got 80 miles left? How have you? What do you mean? She's like, no, we'll be fine. We're passing garages left, right. And so why aren't we stopping? The light's on. She's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. I've done this before and you've got another. What do you mean you've done it before? When it's a quarter, that's the quarter full. That's when we need to fill it up. That's when we said, we shouldn't be even close to the light. She's passing garages after garages. It was stressing me out, giving me a heart attack in the... I suppose we have different points as to where our lights go on <laughs> when we know we need to refill. But I always wanted to make sure I got something left in the tank because uh, I'm terrified of traffic and I just feel that, like, no, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be running that low. And, I mean, it applies to money, but it also applies to other things like time, doesn't it? Like, if you look like this, then we got the next picture. Uh, no, where's the, where's the good one? Yeah, that one. I mean, I'd just say, like... If you look like that, then that's like a warning light, isn't it? <laughs> that's maybe an indication that maybe, that maybe you, need to, you need to take some time to, to stop. For me, it's not that. For me, it's when my interchanges with my children change from, can I help you with that? To, how on earth have you not got your shoes on yet? And why is that one on the wrong foot? Because <laughs> if I notice the way I'm talking to people, it's an indication that, that that light's coming on, that I haven't got anything left in the tank. And I think it's interesting that when God gives people 10 rules to live by, one of them, he says, take a day off. Sorry, the previous slide. Observe the Sabbath day. Keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, do not do any ordinary work. Do no ordinary work because God is a God who wants us to live with margin. He wants us to have something in the tank. And if we don't book into our diary some time off, some days where we are not working, then we won't have anything left for our family. 
If we don't invest in rest, then we will find we won't have anything left for our friends. In the same way that if we don't save our money, if we don't build a routine of time and days off, then we will soon find we are running on empty and crashing into trees. I, I, I don't know what you think about when I say the word Sabbath. Say the word Sabbath. Some of you might have had grandparents who said you're not allowed to watch TV on the Sabbath. That's, I'm not quite sure that's what God meant when you're not allowed to watch any TV. I don't know. Some of you, some of you just get annoyed that the shops are closed at four o'clock. I don't, some of you have only heard of Black Sabbath and you haven't got a clue about what I'm talking about and what it's got to do with the day off, which, which is fine. But uh, the Sabbath, this idea that that within our routine of our week, within, the, within the, the rhythm of our lives, we have got regular days off because God is a God who wants us to live with margin. He says, make sure you take a day off. Make sure you have a day. Make sure you have a day a week where you don't define its success by what you produce. Where at the end of the day, if you've achieved nothing, you have achieved something. Where you're not looking at your to-do list, where you've got a day a week You've got a day a week where you remember you are not God and the world is going to keep on spinning even if you stop pushing. Make sure you've got a day a week where you can invest in rest because it's important. Mark, uh, John Mark Comer said something about this which I thought I'd share. The Hebrew word Shabbat, this Sabbath idea, means to stop. But it can also be translated to delight. It's this dual idea of stopping and also joying in the Lord that gives, that lives in this world. The Sabbath is an entire day set aside to follow God's example, to stop and to delight. Make sure you have a day off a week. You need it. You need that margin in your life. And if you don't control your diary, someone else will. <laughs> Let's make sure that we have got margin, that we are investing in rest and I know it's very practical, but can I suggest, if you feel a little bit like you're under the cosh, that passage I read, read right at the start that talked about they're going to take your best field and they're going to enslave your people and you're going to basically be slaves. If there was a bit of that that resonated with you, that maybe you felt, I've got too many things in my life that are making demands of me that I can no longer keep. If you feel a little bit like you've got nowhere to turn, then may I make these two suggestions to you. Try and save 10%. Have a look at a budget. If you can't do 10, try five. If you haven't got a clue what a budget is, then come along to the course they're putting on or ask someone who likes spreadsheets to help you out. It seems so simple, but it will absolutely transform your life when you start viewing your pay packet as a limit rather than a target. And also, make sure you invest in rest because God is not a king who looks like those demanding kings. God is not a king who will take every bit of your joy from you like the kings we read about in that passage. No, our God wants us to live beautifully. Our God has given us instructions and tips and ideas on how we can live with margin. We have a God who loves us, who doesn't want you to always be skinned and always be tired and always be grumpy. We have a God who wants us to live life to our full. And I think that involves living with margin so that... When something goes wrong, it doesn't throw us off course because we've got a bit left in the bank. When someone says, can we meet up for coffee? You can say yes, because there's actually some space in the diary. When someone comes to you and says, I'm going through a really tough time, you can say, actually, let me take you out for lunch because I saved a little bit last month. Let's make sure we live with margin.
because I think there's a real practical way we can live beautifully. I'm going to pray and then I'll hand back to the band. Father, we are sorry for the times that we have been obsessed with jealousy or envy and we have looked at others and decided that having that was more important than an inner peace that comes from knowing we're loved as we are. I pray that you would give us the courage and strength to look at our money and look at our time and put gaps in. I pray, thank you for the people in this room who are good with money, who've got experience and tips and ideas they can share. Thank you for communities like this where we can lean on each other and learn from each other. We thank you that you're a God who wants us to have a little bit extra. We choose to trust you and take your suggestions seriously about saving something of what we earn. Thank you, God. That's all from us this week. We hope you enjoyed the Forge Catch-Up podcast. If you'd like to connect with anyone, then please email info at forgechurch.com. We would love to connect with you. We'd love to hear what our online audience are saying and thinking and doing. Please remember to subscribe and we'll see you for another message next week.